This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thanks so much for being here today. Today's episode is with Jake Willard, who is the Director of Brand Marketing and Engagement at Tracktown USA. I think he would be the first to say he is one of the biggest running nerds you will ever meet. But what is Tracktown USA, you might ask? Well, first of all, Jake's going to explain it in the episode. But it's a nonprofit organization committed to setting a standard of excellence in the sport of track and field and running by hosting premier events, creating a supportive environment for elite athletic performances, improving facilities, being a leader in sustainability, and inspiring the next generation of track and field athletes and fans. You might remember they held the world championships last year at Hayward Field. And this year in 2023, they have on their schedule the Eugene Marathon, the Oregon Trilight, the Oregon Relays, the Oregon Preview, the OSAA State Track and Field Championships, the Nike Outdoor Nationals, Toyota USATF Outdoor Championships, and USATF U20 Championships, the USATF National Junior Olympic Track and Field Championships, and of course, the Prefontaine Classic. Jake is going to talk about what led him to Tracktown USA. And also one thing I love that we talked about was running club in college. I think that that is such a cool idea. Uh, Most of us can't run at D1 schools. And I think a lot of people forget about that option to run club or do club sports. He's hugely passionate about it. And I think I am now too. This was really fun to get to know Jake and also just get to know a little bit more about Tracktown USA. Eugene, Oregon, and he's got a Prefontaine story in there you're not going to want to miss. If you are enjoying this podcast, please leave us a quick rating and review on iTunes or wherever you're listening so potential new listeners can find us. This podcast is supported by Prevenex. Prevenex is the leader in supplements for runners. Their Joint Health Plus is the joint supplement that you want to use as a runner. The Joint Health delivers ingredients that are clinically proven to offer the most comprehensive and complete joint protection and relief available on the market. If you are not 100% satisfied, they have a money-back guarantee, but I assure you, you will be satisfied. Their protein powder is amazing. It has a great blend of protein, carbs, and fats. It's vegan. My family uses it on the daily, and I use their multivitamins as well. If you're going to use a multivitamin, you might as well use one where you trust the source. Go to Prevenex.com, use the code ANOTHER, or if you were at the Boston Marathon weekend, we've got a special Boston code, BOSTON23. If you've already used another code, you can use the code BOSTON23 to check out that joint health or any of the supplements you might want to try. So code ANOTHER or BOSTON23 will do the job for 15% off at Prevenex.com. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Jake. All right. Well, today on the podcast, we have Jake Willard on the show. Welcome to the show, Jake. Hello. Thanks, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So excited to have you on the show. What's going on in Tracktown, USA? 
Oh man, well, I mean, it's Eugene, Oregon, so obviously it's a nice uh, gray, rainy morning uh, in springtime, but um, we get used to that, still get our runs in no matter what. Um, but yeah, I mean, track town, we're in an exciting time right now because uh, obviously outdoor season is just getting started. And uh, obviously this town has a few big track meets that we put on every year. Um, so kind of just kind of getting excited for, for those USA championships coming back in the Prefontaine Classic. But um, yeah, I mean, track town still still track town. We're still excited about running and uh, always looking forward to, to what's to come. So. so what brought you to Eugene? Where did you grow up? Yeah, so I'm from uh, a small town called Martinez, California. Uh, it's an hour northeast of uh, San Francisco. Um, and so I grew up there, uh, was born and raised a huge sports fan. My mom worked for um, Comcast Sportsnet Bay Area, which is the big sports like journalism, like coverage news station. Um, so it's always a huge sports fan. So when I was looking at colleges, I was like, okay, I know I want to do journalism because I just grew up watching sports constantly. Um, and University of Oregon had a great journalism program. So I'm like, okay, this, this feels like a good fit. Um, I was also a runner in high school. So I'm like, okay, Track Town USA, Eugene, sports, journalism, it, it felt like a perfect, perfect storm. So I uh, came up here for college uh, in 2015, uh, studied journalism. Um, and then after graduating from college, I ended up landing a job at Tracton USA, the, uh, the company that puts on a lot of the meets at Hayward Field. Um, so I have stayed up since. So um, just kind of loved the sport and was really drawn to the sports journalism side of it. So uh, Tracton was, was a good fit. So I love, love being up here. I don't really see myself leaving Eugene anytime soon. Uh, so I'm very excited to kind of call this place home and uh, just be a, a part of the, the track and field community here and in the United States. Because, again, everyone comes here once a year. So it's super fun. Yeah, United States and the world, really. Right, exactly. I know now that we had the World Championships last year and the Prefontaine Classic consistently bringing the world's best and this year being the Diamond League final, obviously that's another big step with that too. So um, yeah, I think we've really cemented ourselves as the heart and home for the sport of track and field uh, here in Eugene, which is really fun. What was that like going to Eugene, to Oregon for school and being a runner? Like what kind of runner were you? You didn't run on the team there. Yeah, so I was very much, I was the JV giant in high school and I was on the cross country team. So I was always kind of knocking on the door of varsity, um, but just loved it so much. Like I loved coming to practice. I loved my teammates. Um, I never, I really struggled growing up to find like a sense of community and the sport of track and field and running really brought that to me. So I like loved every aspect of it. Um, so the team aspect was always really fun. Um, so I just loved running and I was like, uh, I made it my like mission. Like I'd love to just keep being a lifelong runner. Um, I didn't care about like running. Like I wasn't the fastest, but I didn't care about like, like risking it all. I cared more about long-term like enjoyment of the sport. Um, so I came to the University of Oregon. I ran on their club team. So I definitely like oh, having fun. the opportunity to still compete. Yeah, it was fun to be able to still compete. Uh, while I was in college um, and definitely just kind of more have fun with it, take the pressure off of kind of uh, obviously competing at the NCAA level, um, but still have the opportunities. So um, did that for all four years of college was the coordinator. So making sure we got all of our vans to travel to meets and um, making sure everyone had a fun time on the trip. So um, yeah, I just, the community aspect's always been the coolest part for me. So um, being able to still do that as a part of my job and still find that with running, uh, it's super special. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of my story, at least of like Oregon was the best fit because of the club environment and sports journalism and, and track down and all that fun stuff. So what a good point that is like running for club in college, because so many of us like did sports in high school and you lose that team environment when you get to college. Like most people aren't talented enough mm -hmm. or have the drive to compete on the actual school team, right? Mm -hmm. 
but you lose that sense of camaraderie. And then also I imagine a lot of kids like get lost in college. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you, you're, you don't know anybody there. And so to have a team, do most colleges have club teams like that? A lot do actually. So we have the the National Intercollegiate Running Club Association. So NERCA actually is the the nationwide kind of governing body, more or less, um, for the club system. So they have a cross country, a track, and a half marathon uh, championships every year. Um, oh, cool! So they're actually yeah, there are a lot. They're much more prevalent on the East Coast. Um, a lot of the East Coast schools because it's easier for them to like travel. It's more of a quicker drive to get to meets and things like that to compete against each other. Um, for us, we're in a very fortunate position where there are a lot of D2, D3 colleges kind of in the state of Oregon that we can drive to that let us uh, compete. Um, so that's always nice because that's the hardest thing, I think, is getting into some meets when you're in the club system. Um, but we were very fortunate here. Also, our coach of the running club is uh, Tom Heinenen, who was the women's uh, coach at the University of Oregon, led them to a a couple of national titles while he was there. Um, so he's got his connections in, in the state of Oregon still. So he's able to leverage that for us a little bit, get us into some meets that we probably normally wouldn't be able to get into. So we were very fortunate. Um, but it was funny because I went to like cross country camps uh, over the summers a lot in high school. And um, I didn't know club running existed until one of the coaches at like the camp mentioned like, oh, club running is an option for people. And I was like, oh, really? So I think that's something that I wish more people knew about. Because I think, again, it's you can still have that community aspect that was those are the first friends i made when i came to college like like very first day i showed up to running club and like best friends for the rest of college were made on that one day um so it's a super special thing that i don't think a lot of people know about yeah i like want to be an advocate for this now like i'm thinking about my own kids and i'm just like you know like what are the odds that one or all of your kids will uh, will be able to compete in college and for them to because they're literally you go to college and you're ripping all those team experiences from them that they've had since they were six mm-hmm. and the funny thing is like a lot of people it's like if you want to keep that you either go to a d2 or d3 but then you sacrifice on either like the big school like like i know i wanted to go to a big sports school so university of oregon made sense so it's like you still can get the big school experience with the the sports side tied into it so it's a very uh, fun and i think it's just the environment is much different it's much more supportive like obviously like some d1 programs like they're going to be very supportive in their own ways but there's still that pressure added of like okay you're, you're trying to get points you're trying to score points for the team um you're trying to compete at the nationals like things like that where with club it's like yes there are people that are chasing those dreams and you can get serious with it but it's still very much it's like i'm just coming out because i love the sport and i want to be a part of it so um you can kind of get a different experience with it and there's no pressure kind of added on to it so it's a it was a fun environment obviously it led to some fun off the track antics we always get into some fun stuff on the weekends um because the pressure was off um yeah a lot of trips to the coast and a lot of racing on hayward field when hayward field technically was probably closed to the public but um things like that so it was it was a lot of fun to kind of have like still the the fun of like chasing times if we wanted to do that but also the 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 pressure was taken off so it was a very fun environment yeah i always say like i want to go on vacation with people that like want to get a little workout in just like get the sweat done and then just have fun and not stress about it at all but like I want that first part in and those are the that's where you're going to find those people 100 percent. and the funny thing is like transitioning out of college and into like working world like finding that balance as well of like okay I want to keep training and enjoying running um but I know like okay I still want to make I want to make it fun but I still want to achieve like times or things like that so finding that balancing act so I think club was a good kind of primer for that. It was an early transitioning point for that because I feel like I was able to find the balance a little earlier in college and it's made it much easier to transition 
after graduating and balancing work-life balance uh, a little bit more. Um, so it, it definitely was a good, because I know a lot of my friends who competed collegiately, like D1, um, they struggled with that when they graduated, like, and they're still struggling. They're still trying to find that balance of like, okay, what does running mean to me? They either don't want to do it at all, or they like keep trying to chase times. And so the, it's the continued stress and pressure, but balancing a new, a new work-life balance. Um, so the club was a very easy transition for that. And it's made it much easier for me to just like get out same thing like I'm on a vacation I'll, I'll get my mileage and I'll get it done but I'm still not I'm not stressing the rest of the time I'm enjoying the trip not letting it get in the way so um yeah it was it was a very unique environment um with club and very fortunate that Tom Heinen and the University of Oregon had it and they let, they let me lead it for a little bit and have a lot of fun with it so that probably gave you some really good experience for what you do now definitely oh for sure <laughs> I'm curious I'll, I'll share this about me and then you tell me about you um I, when people who don't really necessarily follow running, I tell them what I do for work. Like, oh, I host a podcast for runners. And like, I'm so immersed in the running culture and community. They assume I'm like, I used to be a professional runner or like I ran in college or they, they assume I'm this like big time runner. And I would say for the majority of like the country, you could consider me like a big runner. Um, but I'm just pretty average, you know. And so it's kind of weird to be in this culture and just be like an everyday runner. What is that like for you? But first, I don't know, like, what kind of runner are you? Like, how fast do you run? How much do you mm -hmm. run? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, like transitioning to the work-life balance a little bit, like running, it's still been evolving. I think pandemic helped me kind of refine my like footing with it. Um, the first couple of years, I was like, I, I love my job. I'm very excited about what I'm doing. So I wanted to give my all to my job. Um and so running kind of took a little backseat a little bit, um, but pandemic obviously like had a lot more time, a lot more work from home. So um, was able to kind of find my footing with it again. Um, but yeah, I'm running, I'm trying to run like most days of the week. Like I don't really have like mileage goals. I kind of just more run off a of feel of like, okay, like how are the legs feeling today? Like I at least want to try to get something in. Um, I'm actually hopping in the Eugene marathon at the end of this month, um, oh, just cool. kind of for fun. Um, I've run a marathon when I was in college, but, um, I learned a lot from that experience. And so it was like, ah, like I'll run it again. I've been getting a lot of good consistent mileage in, um, doing workouts one day a week. So we're very fortunate with Shalane Flanagan joining the staff of the University of Oregon. She opens up Hayward Field Wednesday mornings for the community, um, to come oh, and do workouts. Fun. So I've actually like one of my coworkers and I have been doing workouts with Shalane on Wednesday morning at Hayward. No, so no big having, deal. I was going to say it's, it's a little casual, um, but that's just like <laughs> it's funny because that's just typical. Like this community is just it's so like that. Like you just it's super like welcoming, like everyone gets a chance to mix it up with some of the world's best athletes on a daily basis almost. Um, so just having that balance of like, OK, consistent mileage and like doing a workout a week, I'm like. Yeah, I'll hop in a marathon. Let's see what happens. But yeah, I'm mean, just like, I don't really go for time. I just kind of go into a race with like, this is going to be fun. Like, let's just enjoy it. Because I think working in this community, I also want to be continue to be entrenched in it a little bit. Like, I think it's easy for someone to do like the work that they love, but then lose the initial passion. And it was that being a part of that community and like really enjoying that high school and college experience. So it's like, okay, I'm working in it now, but I don't want to lose track of the, the community, like the actual participation side of it. Because um, the second I do that, I feel like my work is going to suffer. Um, so yeah. that was kind of my mindset. <laughs> totally. I, I think about that sometimes too, because I, since I started this podcast, I, like, I consistently have run marathons, mm -hmm. had babies, run marathons, but like I haven't like trained hard for a marathon in mm -hmm. quite some time now. And I'm like, 
am I feeling irrelevant or, you know what I mean? Like I ran the New York city marathon in the fall, but like, I don't have one on the horizon. I probably won't run one this fall. Like it's kind of a weird place to be when you're so immersed in the culture. Right. And I think it's okay to be at the casual level with it. Like, I think that's the other thing too, of like, what, what are your goals? Cause some people are like, I just want to run as fast as I possibly can now. Um, and they don't care about like the long term. like, I guess I they're probably thinking that in the back of their heads, but it's like, they're putting it all out for a time right now. Whereas for me, it's like, again, like I know there's gonna be more marathons down the road. I know there are going to be more like training runs. Like, like if I take today off, it's not gonna be the end of the world. Cause I, I care more about the long term. Like I want to keep doing this and enjoying it for as long as I can. Um, so I think that's just the mindset shift that I've tried to take with it. Um, and I think it's been super beneficial because I feel like I've found my best balance of everything. And I really do truly enjoy like waking up in the morning, getting my run in before work and then going to work and loving what I do. And then coming home from work and I can kind of shut my brain off for a little bit. Like, okay, I can just enjoy the rest of the day. Um, so yeah, it's, it's fun finding that balance, but I think that's like for people like us, like that's, healthier like in a way or whatever again whatever works for people but I think we have different perspectives on it almost so yeah I know people are always like what are you training for and I'm like at life like I'm just like living like this is just like literally part of my life I don't have to be Mm -hmm. training for anything it's just what I do definitely absolutely (laughs) hey everybody a quick break here did you know I have training plans on my website for half marathons and marathons The half marathon plans are 14 weeks. The marathon plans are 18 weeks. We've got beginner, intermediate, and advanced. I'm a pretty conservative mileage builder on those plans. And in general, I am all about the injury prevention and not building too fast. We have pre and post run stretching and strength included in the plans. They're beautifully designed. And I've built recovery weeks into the intermediate and advanced plans. The beginner is more of a slow build. If you go to my website, lindsayhine.com, and just click on training plans, when you click on each plan, it will tell you what the mileage starts at per week and what the long run starts at as well. I also have a very simple 5K training plan for beginners as well over there. Go to lindsayhine.com to check out those training plans. All right, friends, back to the show. So you're the director of brand marketing and engagement at Tracktown USA. So tell us First, let's tell everybody exactly what Tracktown USA is and what mm-hmm. it does. Yeah, definitely. So um, Tracktown USA, so we're a nonprofit organization based out of Eugene, Oregon. Um, and our job is to put on a lot of the big meets that come to Hayward Field. So we're the local organizing committee um, for a lot of like, so like if a USA track and field championships or the Olympic trials to come to Hayward Field. Um, we are usually contracted out by either USATF or the combination of USATF and USOPC um, to put on the events for for them or, or with them, I would say, is probably the, the better wording to use. Um, so we work very closely with those organizations. So they'll kind of say, OK, yes, we want to bring it to Hayward Field. We want to host it in Eugene um, and we will kind of be the boots on the ground team kind of making sure, okay, planning everything around ticketing, um, making sure the venues set up, um, athlete experience on site um, is just in in tip top shape um, and making sure that everything, everyone can just enjoy um, being at Hayward Field and and the sport of track and field. Um, We obviously like we're one of the few organizations in the, the United States that is like year round dedicated to the sport of track and field. We're in a very fortunate um, place with that because we get a- enough meets coming to Hayward Field. Um, so yeah, it's it's really special to kind of be working for a company that one thinks about it year round, but 
Um, we definitely make it our goal to like, we want to make it the best meet possible. Like every time a meet's held at Hayward Field, like we want to do everything we can to uplift and grow the sport, um, make sure it's a meaningful experience for athletes, fans, media, um, people participating, uh, not in the stadium. So like either watching on NBC or on social media, um, we try to take, make sure it's a very holistic approach to, uh, to track and field meet. Um, so that's what Traction is. We also, um, so last year was actually our first year um, also putting on the Prefontaine Classic as well. So that is a new meet that has uh, entered our portfolio and we're super excited about that one. I'm very excited about that one because that meet means so much to me. Um, when I graduated from high school, I begged my parents, like, can I drive up to watch the Prefontaine Classic? And it was like a nine hour drive by myself to come oh, up wow. and watch it. And I was like, yeah, like this is, that's the meat. Like that's, that's a special meat. So being able to bring that into our portfolio is super special, especially the heritage of that meat. Uh, and obviously the, the Prefontaine having his name associated with it. Um, that's super, that means a lot as well. Um, so that meat coming into our portfolio last year has been super cool. So prepping this year for like the Diamond League final, this is the first time it's ever been held outside of Europe and the first time in the United States. So um, getting ready for, for that, bringing the world's best athletes to Hayward Field yet again. Um, so we're, this is hopefully going to be a regular theme for the next few years of world's best athletes coming to Hayward Field. That's always a, a goal of ours. So um, super cool to be able to do that uh, as an organization as a, and as a company. So, Can you, for maybe people that are fans of running, but they aren't like super in the know on track nerd stuff. Can you just talk about the significance of Hayward Field a little bit? Absolutely. Um, I mean, Hayward Field is, it's definitely like, I think I mentioned earlier, it's like the heart and home of the sport of track and field. Um, and you could argue it's the United States, but we definitely believe it, it's the world, like it's period. Um, the, this community in Eugene, like it's one of the most knowledgeable and supportive communities for the sport of track and field. Um, obviously our company's name is Tracktown USA, but the, the, this community earned the nickname Tracktown USA, uh, in the eighties and the nineties. Um, I mean, it started even all the way in the fifties, like, um, no place in the United States supported or cared about the sport of track and field more than, than Eugene, Oregon. Um, obviously Bill Bowerman and the Oregon Track Club had a big role in kind of building this community up. They sought to bring the, the best meets. So the Olympic trials were here in 72, 76 and 80, um, the world's best athletes were trying to come here and compete. Um, Steve tried to bring a lot of the Finnish athletes out. Uh, Steve Prefontaine tried to bring Finnish athletes out a lot in the 70s as well. Um, so there's just a lot of momentum. A lot of people here really cared about the sport. Um, and the community really rallied around it as well. Um, Bill Bowerman was one of the best community builders ever. He knew that in order to build anything successful, like one, you need to know what you know, but also know what you don't know and go find people that know what you don't know and get mm -hmm. them to help. Um, so he did a phenomenal job with that in the 70s. Um, and then so many people just kind of got wrapped up into Bowerman's like scheme of like, okay, we just want to make sure track and field is, is appreciated here and no one does it like we do. That this community just truly just blossomed and so many people just became knowledgeable about the sport. Um, obviously, the jogging movement starting here with Bowerman was insane because um, Bill Bowerman actually was getting his D1 athletes to coach local people and how to jog, like start the jogging movement. Um, so literally like there was this perfect storm of like, okay, people who knew nothing about the sport of track and field, who just wanted to live healthy lifestyles, were now learning from Bowerman's athletes. And then they got to know them as people as a result. And then they'd want to go to Hayward Field when a meet was happening to watch their coaches competing and see, oh, this is why you're the best athlete. Oh, I'm learning from the best. And 
Um, it was literally just this perfect storm of everything happening at once. And so th we earned the nickname Tracktown USA. We got three Olympic trials in 72, 76, and 80. Um, and that just continued to balloon from there until the point where obviously we could form as a company and Hayward Field was the centerpiece of all this. Like the jogging classes were at Hayward Field. The best meets were at Hayward Field. Um, the Oregon program was cranking out the most sub four minute miles at the time, like when that was becoming a big thing. Um, so Bowerman was just the greatest community builder coach there was at the time. Um, so it was kind of this perfect storm and Hayward Field was the centerpiece of it. Like that's where everyone congregated and gathered. Um, and it continued to again build up and then obviously hosting the world championships. The first world championships in U.S. soil in 2022 was another pinnacle moment um, for Hayward just because again, like you're bringing the world's best. This is the only meet that is the biggest meet besides the Olympics coming to this little town in Eugene, Oregon, and this track and field facility that's seen some of the world's best performances um, already. So it's just a super cool place where the everyone wants to come to Hayward Field. Like that's like if you're a track fan, if you're a runner, like and you know anything about the, the sport, like Hayward Field is the place you want to go. Um, and people will travel from across the world to come see it. Um, for the Prefontaine Classic this year, I think we've sold tickets to every state except for one. Um, so that's super cool to see people want to travel. Eugene Marathon. Um, so even like runners who want to participate in the sport, like the consistently all 50 states are usually represented at the, at the Eugene Marathon and then outside of that even. Um, so it's just a super special place and no other place in the United States and I'll argue even the world. Um, cares about the sport more than this community does. Um, and this community really rallies around Hayward Field. So that's what makes it super special. What would it be like to live in Eugene and not care about running? <laughs> you you'd <laughs> almost have to. Like, you almost get forced into it in a way just with how much you're exposed to it. Um, I mean, last year... Um, it was, we literally hosted, what, 14 meets over 16 weeks or something like that at Hayward Field. Um, every level of championship possible, high school, college, pro, um, and then world. Like, it's, it's, you have so many meets coming here and so many opportunities to participate. Um, it's, it's almost like you gotta have to be, but it's also like people can find a way to separate themselves from it, but, um, you almost feel the infectious draw of like, okay, this, especially the state of the art reimagined facility, it's like, it stands out like it is the world's best track and field facility um, and people want to come see it. They want to see, like, OK, this exists in this little town like they we love the sport that much that something like this can exist here. Um, it, it's super special. So it's you almost just feel that magnetic draw um, when you're in this town. And the first thing you see when you drive into town usually is Eugene, Oregon, Tracktown, USA. Mm -hmm. Like it, it is a super like special thing to be a part of this. I'm rewatching Friday Night Lights with my kids and I'm like as as you're talking about it I'm like that is what football is to this like small town in Texas <laughs> like Definitely. everybody in town is talking about it even if they don't do it themselves. 100%. That's such a good way to put it honestly. Like it, it's so true. Like we just talk about it, we care about it so much here. Can you tell me what the one state is that didn't register? <sighs> I want to I, I don't remember off like the Alaska? top of my head. It no, was surprisingly kind of Alaska was on there. I think it was it was definitely on the East Coast. It might have been one of the Virginias. I don't remember. I don't want to like okay. mess up a state that didn't that did order right, right, or not. Right, 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 right. I think we'll get there. We usually get most, uh, if not all, like of the states usually to buy tickets. So that's always a super fun thing. Okay, so now you're planning the 2023 USATF Outdoor Championships, mm -hmm. the Pre Classic. Um, mm -hmm. When are those happening, and what's going on with that? 
Yeah, so the the USA Championships are going to take place July 6th through 9th at Hayward Field. Um, So for those who might have watched the World Championships last year on TV, um, this is the qualifying meet for the World Championships. Um, So it's almost like it's a mini Olympic trials just squeezed into four days. Um, So it's the same thing. Top three on the team will advance to the World Championships. Um, So you're getting literally the nation's best athletes fit, like, this is their one goal is like we want to qualify on to the world team and, and represent Team USA um, on the biggest stage. Um, so the U.S. championships are going to come back again. And then also at the same time as that is the U-20 championships. So the, the, the world's best U-20 athletes are also going to be competing for a spot on a world team um, as well. So um, cool to have both of those events in tandem. And one ticket gets you into both, which is always cool. Um, but yeah, the U.S. Championships, like, it's been held at Hayward Field 11 different times um, over the course of history. It's the most, Hayward Field's hosted it the most of any venue in the United States. Um, so always special when it comes. Um, and this year, the World Championships are going to be held in Budapest. Um, so a lot of athletes are trying to, to punch their ticket to Budapest um, wow. here. Um, so yeah, I mean, we can definitely expect, again, the nation's best to come compete this year. It's always fun. We've had a couple of the world's U.S. athletes say that they're going to go off event this year. So like Michael Norman, who was the 400 uh, meter gold medalist from Worlds last year, says he wants to focus on the 100 meter this year. So, and you have Noah Lyles, the 200 meter American record holder, also won uh, at Oregon 22. Um, he's going to also try to go for the 100 200 double. Um, so, we're going to see some very interesting stuff that we wouldn't normally see in the Olympic trials um, because it's a world year and athletes like to kind of test things right before the Olympics in 24. Um, so, that's going to be a super exciting event. Um, July 6th to the 9th USA Championships. And then the Prefontaine Classic, um, that's September 16th and 17th. So normally that would fall on a May slot um, for us. Um, we're usually earlier on in the season. We like to kind of be the first meet of the year that athletes come and participate in to kind of prep for the long season. But um, we were very fortunate this year that we were selected to host the, the Diamond League final. Um, so the Diamond League is the is the worldwide professional track and field circuit. Um, all of them are kind of in, in Europe or Asia. Um, we are the only one uh, in the United States um, and in North America uh, in general, uh, in the Americas in general, even North and South America. So um, we're kind of the oddball out. That's just because we're so special here. Like this community, again, cares like no other. So we were able to kind of earn our way in to the Diamond League. Um, but so athletes this year, Every Diamond League meet they compete in, they earn points to qualify for the Prefontaine Classic. So we truly are the culmination of the professional track and field season. We come after the World Championships. Um, so we literally are like the end of the year. Like we are the celebration of like, hey, look how great the 2023 season was. The world's best athletes are coming here to end their season, like earn the Diamond League title. Um, so it, it's like, again, it's a mini World Championships, but it's just finals. Like all the athletes have qualified through the different Diamond okay. League meets. So you literally have two days of jam-packed finals of just the highest quality athletes in the world coming to compete at Hayward Field um, just to, for the just for the final. So um, yeah, it's that's a super special one this year. But again, the Prefontaine Classic that's this that's one of those meets that it's year over year at Hayward Field. The community always rallies around it. We we always love to bring the world's best regardless. Of, of anything like just we're always trying to seek like go down the descending order list okay who is the best let's invite them like let's try to see and get them to come to pre um so that's where you can truly see some of the most special performances and just this year being the diamond league final it'll be on a whole another level so a lot of fun stuff coming this year when is the diamond league final though 
So that's so September 16th, 17th. So the Prefontaine okay. Classic is serving as the Diamond League it's, final. Okay, um, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so that's the thing. So normally it's um, the Pre-Classic will be in that, that May slot. Um, and it's just it's, it's just the Prefontaine Classic this year. The Diamond League final is, is the Prefontaine as... Classic. Yes, exactly. Okay, so. when I first started hosting this podcast, the Diamond League situation... Well, first I had to learn about world championships. I only really knew about the Olympics six years ago, you know, mm-hmm. and then I had to learn about the diamond leagues. There's so many different things that like the general population mm-hmm. watches the Olympics. Right. <laughs> Maybe some people watch world championships, but when you really get into track and field, you start learning about all these other big stages. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I know it's, it's a lot. And I think people don't realize like, like how many opportunities there are in the sport of track and field right. um, yeah. for the for the highest level athletes. But also just like I think also looking at how few there are in the United States. Like, again, we are the only Diamond League fi- Diamond League meet in the United States. New York used to have one, um, but they they kind of stopped doing that. Um, they pulled out of the Diamond League. So um, so we're, we're the kind of the, the best of the best in the United States. Like we try to put on the highest level meet possible. Um, but the nice thing is, like, I think. Yes, the Diamond League is the world's best and it's at the highest level, but the U.S. circuit is very much trying to start forming like sound running, like what Jesse Williams is doing over there. Um, creating opportunities for athletes domestically has been amazing. You got um, the American Track League. Obviously, they've been around for a really long time and putting on meets in the summer. So um, there are still definitely like things to do in the United States. Um, but in terms of like highest quality like levels of participation like pre-classic is is the only one really that you have kind of in in the united states so getting like the world stage there you mean right exactly so it's interesting it's interesting to see kind of how that's evolved over the years but yeah i think there's still like there are a lot of opportunities for participation at the highest level in the united states um but i think not enough people like casually know about it so that's that's one of our kind of hopes at track time is like how do we start to educate people i'm like hey this is what the pre-classic is this is why the diamond league matters but Hey, there's also all these other like amazing meets that athletes are participating in. Like, like obviously, like even in the state of Oregon, like the Portland Track Festival is consistently one of the best like track meets in the United States. Like the their men's fifteen hundred is consistently cranking out world qualifiers, um, and those standards are getting really hard. But people consistently come to Portland Track Festival to chase them. Um, so it, there definitely are a lot of opportunities. But same thing, it's like people don't necessarily know about them. So how can we? either use the Prefontaine Classic or our meets as a platform to help elevate them um, or just create more connection points between those athletes and hopefully trying to get them to qualify to come to a pre-classic um, or a Diamond League meet. So it's it's interesting to kind of see that dynamic. Um, but yeah, there definitely are a lot of opportunities that I don't think the general populace knows about for track and field. So I've thought about that a lot too. I can't remember who I was talking to on the podcast about this, but I was talking about like how... Uh, a company like Sidious Mag has done a really good job like amplifying the voice of sport and sharing stories and really like educating and just covering it, right? Like, but I also feel like it's a lot of like inside baseball. Like you are a follower of the sport if you're following Sidious Mag, which is great. But like, how do we like expand mm-hmm. to the hobby jogger who like wants to know more, but isn't like super nerdy into the details mm-hmm. and I certainly think podcasts like this are helpful, but like how else can we expand that fan base? Do you have any thoughts on that? 
It's funny that you mentioned that. So we actually like just launched last week. Um, so we launched this video series called Road to Track Town. Um, and so we're going to follow three athletes who are trying to earn their way to the world championships, but obviously it comes through the USA championships. So um, we chose Allie Wilson from the Atlanta Track Club. She's okay, an 800 yeah. meter runner. Anna Hall, um, obviously like world medalist, uh, heptathlete. Um, mm-hmm. she's, she's an amazing personality. And Ryan Krauser, their world record holder in the shot put. Yep. Um, so we are going to do a video series around them. It's funny, this is going to be a buzzword and I'm probably going to get a lot of eye rolls, but the Drive to Survive video series uh, type video. Um, but So we're going to follow their season from now up until the U.S. championships as they try to punch their ticket to go to, to Budapest. Um, and so it'll be every Friday. So Allie Wilson's first episode dropped last week. Anna Hall's first episode will be this weekend or this, yeah, this week. And then Krauser will be the following week. And then the cycle will repeat. Um, so each athlete will get, six, I think, six episodes in the buildup to um, the USA Championships. But that kind of personality, more lifestyle-driven content of kind of showing who they are as people, um, how the training is going on a more serialized level, hopefully will create more fans and make people feel more connected to the athletes. Um, so obviously your podcast is amazing because you get to see that personality of the athletes and get to know them a little bit more. Um, but the hope with this is because it's more serialized, you'll get a couple more instances and you can see a whole long season narrative. Uh, you start to create a little bit more of like, oh, okay, I love Allie Wilson's personality or like, oh, Ryan Krauser's got the cutest dog ever and I, I just want to follow along <laughs> with the dog. Like whatever it is that connects you to the athletes, at least you, you, you're informed, you see more instances and you're more likely to see them compete. At, watch them at the USA Championships and see them compete at Worlds and that's the hope is like we can kind of have that drive to survive effect and like kind of get people to kind of just care more about the athletes as people um, and then get more interested that way. Yeah that's so interesting too because there are just some athletes who like I just want to do my job like I just want to mm-hmm. go run run fast and be the best at that but like as the media landscape changes sharing your story and, that, and that's what I love about my podcast is like runners make themselves so accessible. I don't, I don't, I haven't researched it much, but like, I don't know any other sport where there's like specific podcasts for soccer and like mm-hmm. these big, like really big soccer stars actually agree to come on these shows and do in-depth hour long interviews. I'm sure that they're out there, but it seems that the athletes in running make themselves more readily available. Absolutely. And like, I think that was one of the cool, like, again, like that community part that just got me so excited about the sport when I was in high school, like that persists at every single level of the sport. Yes. Like that's so rare. Like you, you like, and, like same for like both of us, like, yes, we're not the fastest athletes, but we know like these athletes, like we have talked with them, like we can like see them out like after a meet and say what's up and like chat, like, like it is very much like these are real people, like, and they love like the community aspect, like this sport has community like no other. Um, and so I think that's what can set it apart from like an NFL or an NBA. Um, and I think we just got to find the right ways to tell those stories and get enough people bought in and go that way. Um, so I think, again, like the community here is so special. So how do we just keep kind of playing into that and building that up? Because, yeah, there's so many athletes that are, are willing to kind of like help grow and like see that this is a problem. We need to fix it. Um, so that's been super exciting for us. It's like, okay, the three athletes, like the, they're big athletes and they, they're bought in and they love the concept. And, um, so we're hoping that like viewers will, will kind of watch and take it in and then more athletes will want to do it in the future. So, um, yeah, I think we're, we're excited by that prospect, but yeah, it's, 
it's super special to kind of see the athletes just be so community oriented. Um, and then again, that just persists at every level, even in the highest level of the sport. Where, where can people find that series? So you can find it on the Track 10 USA YouTube channel. Um, we're going to be teasing it out across all of our social channels as well, but uh, it'll live on YouTube. Um, so definitely it's a Track 10 USA. Go ahead and search that up. Um, the first episode, like I said, Allie Wilson was last week mm-hmm. um, and Anna Hall should be this week. I don't know when this podcast is going to air, but by that time, maybe Krauser will be out. But um, you can definitely yeah. tune in for all of those. It'll be good. So I keep meaning to have Krauser on my podcast like I don't I feel like I've probably done some soft pitches, but I've never like really gone after it gung ho. And like I keep I, he just seems like so fun. He, he is a really fun guy. Like he's it's funny because he's from boring Oregon, like grew up in Oregonian. Like his, his dad was a it was a duck. So but he went off to Texas and, and then lives in Fayetteville now. Um, but yeah, he's a great guy. Like you're surprised by like his personality almost. Um, but just also like his determination. Like he literally like in practice, he's so like 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 okay breathe like could okay, put the shot here like i don't know we, we have some behind the scenes like of him talking when he's doing his throws at practice and it's like okay no one thinks about it the way he does he's thinking at it at such a high level so yeah it's a super cool to kind of get that insight you would never would would guess that uh seeing krauser at competition oh, i love so. that hey everybody i want to let you know about the donna mother's day 5k the black knight donna's mother's day 5k celebrates every mom and returns Saturday, May 13th. This is in Jacksonville, Florida. You can enter the race with the code Lindsay10, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-1-0 for 10% off your registration. And you can also sign up for their virtual race if you are not local to Jacksonville. That is what I will need to do because I do not live in Jacksonville and I won't be going there for the 5K. But the Donna Mother's Day 5K supports the Donna Foundation, which helps people who are walking through a breast cancer diagnosis. I've worked with the Donna Foundation for five years now and wholeheartedly believe in their mission and everything they're doing over there. So go sign up for the Donna Mother's Day 5K. Just go to thedonnafoundation.org to learn more and get signed up. Again, you can register for the in-person race May 13th or the virtual race and use the code Lindsay10, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-1-0 for 10% off your registration. All right, friends, back to the show. Um, tell us your pre-Fontaine ghost story. <laughs> oh, man. So this is the, the track nerd in me, like, obviously, like, if it wasn't apparent from me driving up for the pre-classic in high school. Um, Nine by hours myself, by yourself. Yeah, That's pretty, that, I mean, as a parent myself... I'm like getting anxious thinking about letting my 18 year old or 17 year old do that or whatever. I know. Shout out to my parents. My mom was a nervous wreck, but uh, love her and let her glad that she let me do that. Um, but it was actually on that trip um, where I had my prefontaine ghost story. So obviously that was my my second time ever in Eugene. Um, first time for the prefontaine classic, but the first time I was there, I, I ran Priest Trail. Like I saw the campus. I went to a track meet at Hayward Field, but. Um, I didn't do the pre's rock part of it. I was with my parents and I was like, oh, I don't know if they're going to like this. It's a little it's a little morbid in a way, but it's kind of I don't know. It's one of those like almost religious experiences you have to experience as a runner if you're if you're in the nerd, the nerddom of it. Um, so <laughs> I was like, OK, so the the pre classic that year was on the anniversary of his last race and his death. Um, so it fell in that in that perfect window. So we we're celebrating the 40. It was the 40th anniversary that year. Um and so I went up to the rock at the time that the car crash happened. So again, a little morbid, but the exact um, time. I was like, 
the exact time. I'm like, I need wow. to be up there at that moment. Like, I don't know what called me to do it, but I was like, I, I have to do this. Like, I just want to experience this moment. Um, if I was going to, like, like, that was my first time. That was the crazy part of it, too. Um, so I was up at the rock, and it was, like, a, a really nice, like, night, like, no, no clouds in the sky whatsoever. Like, you could see the stars very brightly. The walk up to the rock, you're going up this big hill, um, just a couple of like, literally within a mile of, of Hayward Field. Um, so you can, like, see, like, the, the Willamette River flowing. You can see, like, Pree's Trail in the distance, all the lights of town. It's a beautiful, beautiful view. So you're walking up this giant hill, um, and then you all of a sudden you make a right turn, and then you just see the alcove of where the rock is. Um, and it just kind of, like, appears out of nowhere. Um, and so I get up to the rock, and I'm there for a, a couple minutes early before the time of, of the, the incident. Um, and so all of a sudden, I start to see it, like some fog starts kind of rolling in on me. I'm like, okay, like what? It was a beautiful day. The walk up, like n not very hot, like it was perfect conditions. Um, and so I, I'm at the rock, and the fog starts rolling, and I'm like, oh, what is going on? Um, and then all of a sudden, I see a, a bright light kind of like flash across like the, the fog, and I was like, what was that? And I thought a car was coming, but then I turned around, and there there was no car coming behind me. Um, and then I looked at my watch and I'm like, oh, it's the time. And then slowly the fog starts rolling away and then back to the, the blue, what? like beautiful night starry skies. I'm like, what the heck just happened? So I was like, that was probably pre, like that had to have been pre driving his car. Crazy. So that was like a crazy moment. I was like, oh, what were you just, scared? Okay. I wasn't really scared. I didn't really process what it was until like I was walking down from the rock. I was like, oh, that might have been pre, like, so I don't know. I just, like, again, I just thought it was a car, and I was like, oh, shoot, I don't want to get hit. Like, that would be ironic to, like, That would be the really crazy. Time. Yeah, that would have been a little crazy. So I was like, just don't get hit by a car. Um, but, yeah, I was like, oh, okay, like, on the 40th anniversary. So I'm like, okay, so now I got to go back for the 50th anniversary and see if it happens again. Maybe it's a 10-year increment thing. Um, but, and the funny thing is, like, I've gone, like, this is my tradition. Like, I've gone up to the rock every year since then. So I'm coming okay. up on my, like, what, eighth or ninth year um, okay. this year. Um, so I, it's every year. Like, it's an every year tradition for me at the time of the accident. The funny thing is that most people, it's confusing because it always is, like, on the morning of the 30th uh, of May. Um, and so people will think, oh, okay. Well, it was, like, it was just after midnight on the 30th. And so most people will go on the the next day, like midnight yes. of the 30th going into the next day. But it's yes. like, no, it's the 29th into the 30th. So most people okay. go up the, wrong, go the day. wrong day. Right. They go a day later, technically. So I'm always like one of the few, like who's actually there at the right exact time. So um, it's kind of, again, nerd them. I'm, I'm nerding out really hard now. But yeah, um, good. Yeah. Going every year, I haven't. Yeah, I have, yeah, I'll always own it. Um, but yeah, going every year, I've never like had that happen again. So it was just on that first one, which happened to be the fortieth. So so like, were are you like, do you believe in spirits? Like, are you like that's just like, or was that the first time that's ever happened? And you're like, okay, th there's something there. Like, it's always weird to like lean into that. I know. I mean, it's. So it's funny because I went to, so I grew up, went to Catholic school, like a K through eight Catholic school growing up. And then I went to a private Catholic all boys high school. Um, so went to Catholic school most of my life. Oregon was the first time I didn't go to a, a Catholic school, obviously more of a public school setting. Um, and I kind of just like was like, oh, OK, I've been doing this most of my life. Like I'm figuring out what it means now that I'm not like it's not a part of school anymore. Um, so at that time, it was kind of like, ah, like 
I didn't really believe in that stuff. Like that was the first kind of real experience of with it. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've always kind of fallen back on like everything happens for a reason. Like like just live the life we have now, and, and I don't know, just don't worry about the other things as much. Um, but that was one of the that was the first time I was like, okay, this is a that was a different experience. Like that was that was something else. So like that it was happened. a weird. Yeah, yeah. That, that happened. Yeah, it did. So that was that was always a, like, oh, okay, that was a fun, uh, kind of a fun, and just the fact that it was around pre, I was like, okay, this feels almost like fitting. Like if I know I want to come to Oregon to to do this uh-huh. stuff and try to work in the sport, like, it's like a oh, sign. okay, maybe that was a sign. So that's that was kind of my takeaway with it. But it's just a fun story that I'll tell any friends that yeah, come up to the rock so with fun. me on the anniversary. <laughs> so it it has me thinking about pre. This is kind of random, but I always think this about Tupac. I'm always like, because I love Tupac so much. I'm like, gosh, we missed out on so much good music because he died so, so young. Like, what would we get to listen to if he didn't die? And I think that about Pre. Like, we missed out on so much, like, epic racing because we don't know, like, we don't know what would have happened with his career, like, what risks he would have taken. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that's what he was. He was a risk taker. Um, and that's just kind of sad, you know, I know. And like, that's one of the biggest things with me. So in my role at Tracktown kind of is overseeing the brand, uh, of Tracktown, but, and the pre-classic. So I think, um, I think a lot, like I spend most of my day thinking about like, okay, what is pre's like, what if the meat, cause I'm going to backtrack a little bit. 1975, yeah. when Bowerman named the meat, the pre-Fontaine classic, it was after it was, Two days after Pre died in the car accident, he said it was going to be called the Bowerman Classic. It was going to be uh, just a meet to kind of celebrate Bowerman and everything he brought to the program because he had retired from coaching at that point. Um, and Pre dies like the week before it. Um, and Bowerman said in a press release from Oregon Track Club, because Oregon Track Club was organizing the meet at the time, um, was that we're going to rename the meet the Steve Prefontaine Classic, a living memorial to Steve, his inspiration, his ambition. Um, so that wording, that living memorial, mm. I, I unearthed that from the first press release and I was like, yes, that's, that's the it. Like, that's what this meet needs to be. Like, we are a living memorial. We are keeping his memory alive. We are building upon his legacy. Um, so I think about that a lot of like, okay, if we're going to live up to that living memorial, put on a meet worthy of, of the name, what does that mean? Like, what would Steve's kind of place be in the sport now so that's something we always try to really bring with what we're doing with the pre-classic that's always in the back of our heads um but yeah i mean like you just look at like the way he ran in 1972 at the olympics like that was some of the gutsiest racing you'll ever see in your life like he had no place to do that but he said i don't care i'm gonna do it like this is my one shot like i'm gonna put the the crap in the legs of the world's best athletes and see what happens and like, yes, he finished fourth, but man, that was one of the most entertaining races you'll ever watch in your life. So check that out on YouTube if you have Yeah, I want to go watch that. it now. Yeah, yeah. please do. I w- so this past summer, um, so with us putting on the Diamond League final this year, um, we won, so Zurich has historically put on the, the Wanda Diamond League final. So we went to Zurich as a staff last year um, to kind of see the world's best athletes compete. And I was like, I want to extend my trip and go to Munich and go to the mm-hmm. stadium where Pre ran that race in the Olympics. And I got to the stadium 
two days after the anniversary of the 50th anniversary of his race. And so I was sitting in the stands, like watching the race on my phone. Um, I had some photos that Don Chad as one of my good buddies. He, he actually took the photo on the meat poster, um, last year, but, um, he took some photos of pre at the Olympics that year. So I was like comparing them like in the moment, holding them up and taking a photo of them against the track, um, 50 years later, but being in that there in that moment, like feeling you almost, again, like it was almost another kind of like pre ghost story in a way, but like you could feel like the crowd, you could feel the weight of the moment watching the race on your phone. It's like, that was truly like we have never seen a race like that since like that's one of the craziest things too like that stands up as one of the best races even in today's standards of the sport of track and field um so just the way he ran was just unlike anything you'll ever see um and he truly was like i'm just going to give my all at everything i do like to give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift i know that's the quote that everyone loves to use but it's so indicative of who he was as a person so that again that's just something we always try to channel with the pre classic um and so yeah it's super kind of special to be able to just live that and bring his legacy forward um and just again i think in that world all the time like if pre was still here what would he be saying about this what would be his mindset and he's just like i want the world's best athletes to come to hayward field and i want to beat them like i want to i want to beat them at my race like that would be what he would want to do he would just want to compete against the best so that's what we try to do with the pre is just bring the world's best to Hayward Field and let them race. Oh, I love that. I was just listening to Matthew McConaughey on <laughs> Armchair Expert, which, by the way, it's such a good episode. Um, and they were talking about, like, if you have something and you're good at it, you're like, not only are you selling yourself short, but like you're like not giving to the world like what you could if you don't like not to be stressful about it and like you have to go all in on everything but like if mm-hmm. you don't pursue what you're good at people are going to miss out on the gift you have to give and when we talk about pre it makes me think of that a lot like he could have like not gone all in all in and it would have been a good runner but would it have been as entertaining would it have been as inspiring <laughs> it's funny because i think one of my favorite pre-quotes is um he's like i view myself as an artist like i don't create yeah. with brushes or paints but i create with the way i run like i want to make people say wow i've never seen anyone race like that before mm-hmm. like that is just like that mentality of like yeah i am an artist like i want people to see how i run and appreciate it like always the showman but always a front runner and no one's going to do it like I do. Like that mentality, I felt like was just rich. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's, it's like McConaughey. It's like same thing. Like yes. it's, you want other people to see it and appreciate it because they're going to know in the moment, like this is unique. This is special. Like they're I've never seen anything like this before. Um, have you read Green Lights, his book? Matthew it's on Hunt? my list. I have it on my bookshelf right over here. So oh, it's on my list, but I haven't gotten yeah. to it yet. <laughs> I've kind of like put it off because I'm like, everybody's writing that blah, blah, blah. But then I, I, and I've heard him on a few podcasts. He did like, he did like a huge podcast tour when it came out. But like listening to him today, it's like a more updated episode. I'm like, oh, this book sounds like really inspiring. I just kind of like wrote it off because I'm like, oh gosh. It's like when a famous person starts a podcast, it's like, of course, it's going to be a huge podcast. Mm -hmm. Famous person writes a book. Of course, it's going to be a New York Times bestseller. So I wrote it off, but it actually sounds really good. I know. And like just the way he thinks as as an artist and an actor, like yeah. I don't know, I've always appreciated that. Um, so, yeah, I, that's why it's like it's been on my bookshelf. It's like I, I definitely want to read it. I just got a couple other running books I got to get through I first. because The nerddom always comes first. <laughs> oh, all these running books, too. And so many people have written books lately. And I'm like 
powering through them all. We're I want to read them. But Absolutely. I'm reading them really fast because I'm interviewing people and I'm like, right. I need a, I need a breather. I need a breather. Yeah. I know. Literally like every female marathoner decided to drop a book at once. And Which I'm is not amazing. complaining. It's awesome because we needed more of that. But it's like, oh, they literally all did it in a two month window. Uh-huh. And I wish I could pace myself better, like just so that I could like read one and then do a fun book. But like mm-hmm. since they all came out together, I have to have right. them read before I interview. So I'm like, I, I have no breaks. So like I got to. Yeah. So. I am enjoying them, but I think I would enjoy them more if I got to like relax right. through them more. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely going to be a, a second reader. Like we'll have to bring them back. Yeah, them yeah, yeah. And like, um, like I've read Lauren's, Des, and Kara's books, and like, um, I loved them all for different reasons, and they were all actually so very different, which was really cool. Okay. That like, you know, you could have three really high professional runners especially doesn't care like they both were marathoners but yeah very different books and mm-hmm. all very good uh okay so the last thing i want to touch on is your passion for unearthing lost history tell me what this is oh man i i definitely had to play that one up a little bit in the copy but i think it's just like i in the nerddom and i don't have anything hanging behind me on my walls but it's definitely scattered around my room but um i think I almost feel myself as like an archivalist for the sport of track and field. Like the first thing, (laughs) this is what I tell everyone. The first thing I do when I wake up every morning, most people are checking like social media or checking Mm -hmm. a news app. Like I'm checking eBay uh, Ah. to see what stuff I can find of like Steve Prefontaine, Bill Bowerman, like Hayward Field. Like I, I think so much, and a lot of that probably exists in Eugene. Like a lot of people who were coming to meets in the seventies, like collected and hoarded everything. It's Uh all probably in their desks, like collecting dust. But um, I don't know, in this pursuit uh, with my job of like, okay, I want to learn everything I can about Prefontaine, about Bill Bowerman, who's one of my idols. Um, it's like a lot of it is hard to find. Like it's not on the internet, like Bowerman and the Men at Oregon or Tom Jordan's book Pre, which is about Steve Prefontaine's life. Like those are great examples, but they only go so deep. Like mm-hmm. they only can touch on so much. And so when you're at the point with me where it's like, I'm trying to go as deep as I humanly can, like a lot of it is hard to find. Like you can't find it on the internet. So I turn to eBay a lot or I'll go thrifting. Like I'm a huge thrifter. Like every weekend I'm going to at least three really? or four thrift stores around town. Um, so, fun. so kind of that unearthing history. It's like, okay, I just like to see what I, I can find that either is going to help me learn about Steve and Bowerman or just like other interests. Like I, I collect like vintage duck like memorabilia obviously being a duck but like i've got like vintage duck memorabilia so if i find like like i found a duck phone like literally a a dial phone with that's shaped like a duck uh, at a thrift once and so it's like what fun stuff can i kind of unearth that people either don't know about or just is unique uh, or tells a story um the other part of that is i do all of the um merchandise like our retail or apparel for track town uh, and the pre-classic so it's kind of like i love to go to the thrifts and like look through the t-shirts and see like what vintage like like donation softball rec tournament like what t-shirt did they do they probably put something weird on there that you would never think they think outside the box or i don't know just seeing taking a lot of design cues from kind of like what's been done in the past because i think a lot of my job is kind of like honoring heritage and history and seeing like what's out out there so that was just my fancy way of saying i'm a huge like ebay thrift store like hoarder and i find a lot of crazy (laughs) stuff but there is a reason behind it usually i love to just kind of see 
how things have been done in the past and how we can continue to, to build on them or grow on them or, or learn from them. Um, so I don't know, that's, that's just kind of like my, one of my passions is just like kind of just finding, like, I think again, like a McConaughey book or all these like women marathoners releasing their books. Like that's my jam, like seeing like more autobiography or biography stuff of like, what have people done to kind of either see success or live a meaningful life? And like, how can we learn from that and grow from that? Like that stuff is, is bread and butter for me. So thrifting is kind of another way I can manifest that. Um, and so I spend a lot of time kind of trying to unearth whatever history I can that probably most people forgot about or didn't even know about. What are you going to do when you feel like you've unearthed it all? Like when it comes to pre? <laughs> I mean, I feel like I haven't even scratched the surface yet. That's the hard part. Like, I think like I've started to like the Register Guard, like is the local paper uh, for the city of Eugene. Um, they've got a lot of good articles kind of that I've been able to like I found um, like the Olympic trials from 1972. I found a copy of the Register Guard from that. Um, I'm trying to kind of just dig up at more as I as I go. But they're, they're few and far between. Most people didn't save the newspaper like they threw them away or whatnot. So it's like, I feel like it's, it's definitely going to be a lifelong pursuit. If it comes to the point where I unearth it all, then that's amazing. And I can just keep reading it over when I'm old and retired. And I'm going to, I want to be the old white haired, like man sitting in the corner of Hayward field, just oh. taking in every track meet. Like that's the goal. So bring my collection of the register guards and read them in the corner of Hayward. That would be really fun. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be really hard to do because a lot of it probably has been lost, but who knows? I'm going to try my best to unearth what I can. So I love that. What's what's the another good like um, thrift store find that like isn't running related that you're like you'd be excited about? My so my very I'd say lived in the dorms my freshman year of UO um, and then moved out with a bunch of buddies um, for sophomore year. And so that summer, like we just moved into the new house. And so we were trying to furnish it, obviously, like, and I was like, let's go check out some thrifts. Like, who knows? Maybe we'll find something. And um, went to this Goodwill and they had a basically brand new, had never been used, like couch. And it was a, a cream couch, but it had little ducks embroidered, like mallard ducks embroidered along, like all over the couch, like tiny little ducks. And I was like, this couch is amazing. Like it's, it was a hundred dollars, like vintage, but super comfortable, brand new at the time. And I was like, like, we need this couch. Like, and I didn't have enough money for it at the time. So I called my mom immediately. I'm like, mom, they have this couch. Like, can I please buy this duck couch? Like it's a hundred dollars. And she was like, yeah, okay, buy the duck couch. And so I still have it. I've brought it through seven different houses in my time in Eugene, but that is my like prized possession. Like I never want to get rid of it. It's going to be my garage couch one day. Yeah. Um, I was thinking but, that garage couch. Yeah. Cause it's a little, it's a little gross now. It's gotten, it's been through a lot of moves and a couple of yeah. animals that have lived, I've lived with, but, um, I was like that couch. I can never get rid of that couch because it was just the perfect like, yeah. Of course, an Oregon duck. We're gonna find a vintage duck couch and put that right. in our house. Like, so that's, that's almost so where the good. duck, the duck fan, like the vintage duck stuff started was with that. So yeah, that was probably my prize thrift find for sure. Oh, that's so good. Um, okay, what's something professionally or personally you would like to do that you haven't done yet? I mean, I'm sure a lot of people in this industry are going to say this and it still, it rings true for me too, is you want to go to the Olympics, obviously. Mm -hmm. Like that is the, the pinnacle. That's the, the, the highest you can go in the sport of track and field. Um, so whether it's working it in some capacity or it's going as a fan, but got to go to the Olympics. Like that's, that's a very important thing. Um, I think I've experienced a lot of international track, a lot of the best track in the United States, but 
um, on the Olympic level, that's just a whole new new beast. So definitely want to try to get to the Olympics either next year for Paris or um, when they come in LA. We'll see. Nice. What is the best, most recent book you've read? Um, so I think it almost like feeds into my like the thrifting habits and like what I do for work. But uh, it's called The Revenge of Ad- Analog. It's by David Sachs. And it basically talks about um, a lot about like how like, okay, a lot of people thought like Barnes and Nobles and books were going to go out of business or like like notebooks or vinyl, like record collecting, like how all of these kind of analog devices like people thought were going to get completely removed with the digital onslaught. Um, but how honestly in the last like 10 years ish, like they've all just exploded and have no signs of slowing down. Mm. Just a lot of people in this world, I think like, yes, like technology gives us infinite possibilities, but that infiniteness is almost too overwhelming to where we Mm. like, we almost like confines. Like we like, or like physical, like doing things physically, like something about turning a record over or yes. like filling out a page in a notebook and like, oh, I ran out of space, time for a new one. Like like something about that, like people are craving more of that again. So it's really cool to kind of hear his perspectives on a lot, like even like watches and like handmade crafts. Like, I don't know, he really touched on everything in the book. But for me of like, I doing like apparel and, and merchandise for Tracktown and like, obviously being a thrifter like and I have a record collection and things so it's like okay good he's (laughs) making me feel better about what I'm doing um, a little bit as a hoarder but also just like kind of tapping into what's the psychological reasoning behind this and how can I maybe use that for my job a little bit too yes okay we just bought we've been a one car family for like three years and there are six people in our family like I have four kids like that's a lot of people for one car um, and we just bought a 95 Jeep Cherokee. Oh, amazing. And it is amazing. Like the windows roll up. Like it's just like yes. nostalgic. And it's just like you're listening to the radio. You just have like, the rock station on. Everything's <laughs> manual. And I'm like, this this feels so free. It just feels like what mm-hmm. it's supposed to be. So as you were talking, I was like, this is why I love the Jeep so much. It's just like it's so simple absolutely it's so fun i love that and like honestly like reading the book i had the same thing like i want to go buy an old car and just yeah. like have fun with it or just i just want to just maybe want to go thrift even more of like what else can i like bring into my life that's gonna like bring me a little bit of joy and just be so simple um yeah so yeah it's it's a super fun book but that's amazing i, I gotta look up some pictures of the jeep that's gonna be yeah cool. it's a cool it's a it's like before they changed the model too it's oh, got like the big amazing. back window and it's this like aqua blue um and like just now when I was ri- driving home, there was um, some people I knew walking down the street mm-hmm. and I like you would normally like, you know, push the right. button to roll down the other window and holler at them. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't do that because I'd have to like get over there and, and hand. Roll it. <laughs> but I kind of loved that. I was like, oh, yeah. I don't have to like talk to them. I can just wave and smile. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that. That's um, awesome. OK, two more questions. It's, who is someone fun, motivating or inspiring you'd like to have coffee, tea or cocktail with? Yeah, it's definitely Bill Bowerman. Um, I think, again, like being the nerd that I am and with my job and diving so deep into this community and what made it special, like it was all Bill Bowerman. Um, Like you look at Nike, like obviously like his technology is kind of what made Nike successful. This community earning the nickname Tracktown USA, um, building up the community. Like he was so community oriented in everything he did. And um, yeah, I don't know. I've just read his books or I read Kenny Moore's book about him so many times. Um, I just constantly, if I'm 
doing work, I'm like, okay, what almost like the what would Bill do? Like is always yeah. in the back of my head. Uh-huh. Um, so um, definitely would want to, even though he's, he's he's passed, like Bill Bowerman would be the the person I would love to to, to pick his brain a little more on. I think I just want to keep keep doing what he did, but in the modern sense, um, mm. so whatever that would mean. So carrying his legacy on. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, what is your last message to leave with the audience? I mean, I feel like we definitely like touched on it a lot in this, but it's just yeah. the community of this sport is, is, is amazing. Like obviously like getting to t- ch- chat with you and you've chatted with so many people and like our place in the sport is, is so different than others, mm. but we still have a place in this sport. Like that's the coolest part of this. Like, um, so this community is super special and I mean, anyone listening, whether they're a track nerd or um, high level runner or a community runner, or even just remotely interested in the sport, it's like, um, just, just know that you're welcome here. Um, and you're a part of the community and we want, we want to support you however we can. Um, so yeah, just like this sport is super special. It's given me so much in life and, um, I definitely want to keep pushing with it, but yeah, like hopefully everyone else can feel that in some capacity. And if not DM me on Instagram and let me know why that's not the case. And let's see if we can fix it. Cause that's, we want to, we want to do like Alison Desir's book has been amazing, like super eye opening in that regard. So it's like, I think just how can we continue to get Bowerman's community of like, how can we just make sure this community as is as inviting as possible? Mm. Um, so that's something that I always want to try to work on. Open up our arms. I love it. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lindsay. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Jake, for coming on the show. Wasn't he a fun guest? You can find him on social media. He is runjwill on Instagram. You can find me, I'm lindsayhine626 on Instagram, on Twitter, I'm at lindsayhine, and we've got a Facebook group that I haven't been so great about posting in. It's all have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. What an endorsement, right? I got a new computer and I had to like re-log into everything and I kept forgetting my password, so I just like didn't log in for a month. Not great, not great in social media one-on-one, uh, but we would love to have you join us over there. Uh, This podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions podcast network. Check us out at sandyboyproductions.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Sandy Boy Productions. Thanks for being here, and we will see you next week on All Have Another.